And I know that's why I'm here. But I first had to walk that journey and have it answered inside of me first to be fulfilled by stepping into the heart of God. And then from there, God sent me back into the world of separation to assist in the soul's journey of coming back into the oneness itself. For you to do the same in moving into that oneness, Jim and I are simply doing what we can that you do find that we are aware we hurt when you hurt. The only difference is we know what it is and we also know our oneness and loving and our freedom even in that. Just because you experience it doesn't mean you have to be entrapped by it. You can be free even in the pain. But there is a process to getting to that freedom. The soul's journey is one of liberation. But liberation comes through fulfilling the journey. And those of you that are walking this pathway, that are getting initiated, are on that journey of liberation and fulfillment. Because you've done a lot of that in the world and are on your way out of the world. But on your way out, does not necessarily mean you are not going to experience all these elements that are in the world. Because as long as you're here, you're going to have the experience. But you can be free in the experience as you walk this inner way of loving. Because it is the loving that is free within all things. How do you think Jim and I even exist here, having awoken into the loving? The loving is free, even in that which is not. Are you ready? Yeah. I began to understand a lot of what Brian put. Let me turn this on. I began to understand a lot about what Brian is sharing as I was growing up. You know, we were all taught different statements about how to live life. And one of the statements that really impacted me was, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I really liked that phrase. And I used to carry that inside myself quite a bit and, and keep reminding myself. The only thing is I found is I was doing unto others, but they weren't necessarily doing in like ways with me. And I thought that that didn't seem right. I was 
trying to live according to that statement, but they weren't, is, is how I felt about it. And one day I, was, I took that statement into my prayer meditation time, and as I was praying on it and, and contemplating it, all of a sudden I heard back from Spirit, here's a better way to do it. Do unto yourself as you do unto others. And I went, what? That was reversing everything totally. And I heard back, do unto yourself as you do unto others. And so I let go of the other one. And I began to look into and live into this new phrase. And what I found was something very unique, wonderful, and very revealing about myself and about my inner process. I found that I was very much more kind and generous and loving with others outside than I was with myself. I could forgive others of things that I felt they had done wrong to me. I could be accepting of others, such as my brother. <laughs> That's where I learned a lot of my lessons. <laughs> so, Somebody who's 13 years older than you, you learn a lot from somebody who's going through their process and putting their stuff on you. And so I learned a lot in that. But it was interesting to begin to live this new phrase, do unto yourself as you do unto others. All of a sudden, I had to take that same generosity, that same kindness, that same loving that I was giving to my brother, my parents, my best friends, the people at school and whoever, and begin to apply it to myself. That wasn't so easy because I had a lot of judgment. I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of things going on inside myself, even at an early age, that I had running. And I had been so busy doing with others, doing for others, being with others, that I had forgotten about doing that with me. And so when I had to begin to bring that back to myself and be kind to me, be loving and generous with me, it was a very awakening moment in my life. And I had to begin to transform all those belief systems, all those judgments, even in an early age that I had formed. And it was interesting because as I looked at it, I began to look and see, well, where did I get these things from? Have my parents told me this to make me feel this separation inside, this bitterness, this hatred, this loathing or whatever it might be? And if not, then where did I learn it? Where did it come from? And as I began to look at that, I paid attention. And in my journals, because I journaled a lot as a, as a kid about all my dreams, about all my ideas and thoughts and experiences and uh, understandings that came forward. And in my journaling, I would write every day about, well, what did my parents say to me that either support or don't support what's going on inside of me? And I really couldn't find anything, anything in the way of what my parents were saying to me that supported it. I did find that in my brother, he wasn't saying it to me directly, but he was saying it about himself. And I began to take on his statements about himself, his judgments on himself. I began to take them on as mine. 
I would get caught up in his process and his beliefs and whatever was going on in him, and I would personalize it and begin to live it inside of myself. But I still found that there was a lot of things going on inside of me that didn't relate to him at all. I didn't hear it from him. I didn't see it reflected in him. And therefore, I had to begin to look inside and say, well, then where is it coming from? I looked to my teachers at school. No, not coming from them. So where was it coming from? It was something truly lying within myself that I myself was creating. And so I began to look at that and realize that a lot of my self-hatred, bitterness, was created by me looking outside myself and comparing myself to others. And I didn't measure up. I wasn't that smart. I wasn't that cute. I wasn't that skilled. And so all those things that I was doing in comparison with others began to become an energy of self-judgment, of self-loathing, of separation from myself, where I wasn't living in my loving or my accepting of myself. And so I had to begin to pay very close attention to how I was really living in the world. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, what I was doing to others was comparison. I wasn't being kind and generous and loving and accepting of them. I was looking at them and I was comparing them to myself. In a sense, I was doing a judgment. I was evaluating them. And I never measured up in my eyes to others outside myself. Everybody was better, more capable, more able. And so I had to begin to do a lot of work within myself. And I had to begin to be kind with me and loving with me and generous with me and forgiving with me. And I also had to stop doing what I had thought was doing good with those outside myself and stop doing the comparison. Stop doing the judging of that way, the evaluation. And really just start loving and accepting them for how they were. And yes, maybe they were more talented or skilled in this area. Well then, honor that, love that, accept that in them. But don't create separation with yourself by judging yourself against that. So this whole new statement of do unto yourself began to really bring me awake. And it began to put me in a different position in action. Before, I was making others more important. I was putting them first. Do unto others that they might also do unto you in like manner. There was nothing in that statement about do unto yourself. And so when I began to put myself first in that action of giving and of receiving, of loving and accepting, of kindness and generosity, it really transformed some things inside of myself. And then I could live the other statement as well. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Then I could truly be loving with others. 
I could be kind and generous with others because I was truly doing it with myself first. And it was about that time where I also heard another statement. This was at Sunday school. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is one statement that I learned there. But another one was about self-loving. And right now I can't remember the phrase. My mind entered into it and I just lost that flow for a second. So it'll come back in a moment. But the key is, as I began to learn and understand within myself through self-awareness about what it is to truly be in that loving with oneself and realize that it all begins and ends within us. It's not out in the world. If we want peace and joy and happiness, if we want acceptance and loving, then it has to begin inside. And then it just automatically flows into the world. And then you begin to find people of like energy who are also moving into that same place of loving, of accepting, of kindness, of generosity within themselves. Like attracts like. And it was very interesting in that time as I was learning all this, my brother was going through a great deal in his life. He had just gotten married, was going through a lot of process about marriage, about a new baby coming. Uh, I was around seven, eight years old. And during that time, he would come to me and sit down and talk about what his problems were, what his thoughts were, and, you know, all that he was going through. You know, at, at seven, eight, nine years old, that's kind of a, a statement of some kind, I guess. He didn't go to my dad. He didn't go to my mom that I know of, and he may have, but he came to me for some reason. And once a week, we would get together. He would pick me up and we'd go to the malt shop, and we'd have milkshakes, malts, whatever, and sit there and talk. And he would just ask me my thoughts and my opinions on things. And at first it made me very nervous because I thought, I don't know if I need to hear all this that he's going through in his life. It wasn't the easiest marriage. And he was having a lot of challenges and problems within himself about life, and it wasn't coming out the way he had expected it to or thought it was supposed to be. And I learned a lot from him in that, but I also learned a lot about myself. And one of the greatest gifts I found that I was giving him was that I was listening. I was willing just to sit and listen to him. And I didn't have a lot of solutions. I mean, a nine-year-old doesn't necessarily know how to balance a checkbook or how to make more money or whatever that might be. But at seven or eight, nine years old, I had learned a lot about loving self first and taking care of self first. And then you can move that energy out to be with others and truly always be fulfilled inside and fulfill in the world as well and not ever be empty in that action. And so I remember sitting there and 
he's just talking and rambling and going on and on about everything. The, my, my first niece had just been born, and it was a real challenge for him. He had no idea what he was sacrificing when he got married and all the things he was giving up. He had to give up building cars. He loved to build hot rods and, and all these different things and then sell them. And he can't do that anymore because he's got to go out and make a living and just all these things. And then the new baby was a lot of new responsibility on top of it. And so he just was rambling on one day about all the problems. And finally he looked at me and said, so what are you getting out of all this? Am I, am I okay in sharing this with you? Are you okay with me sharing this with you? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm learning a lot about life. You know, it, it's really waking me up to, to what it is to be an adult. And he says, well, I hope I'm not ruining it for you. I said, well, I don't think it's ruining it for me. If anything, it's opening my eyes to understand things. And, and he said, opening your eyes to understand things. Golly, maybe I'm just not looking. Maybe I'm not paying attention. Maybe I'm not really seeing what I need to see and understand what I need to understand. And so we started talking more about that area than all of his problems. And so I just listened again, and he started talking again. But in that new conversation, from then on, in the new conversation, we had a very different conversation. Because as he would talk about situations or things, he would also start giving out what he was doing, how he was reacting how he was acting, what shut him down, what brought him back out into, into motion, into action in the world. And he began to see things inside of himself, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I would call it back then. And he began to look and see how he could change things in his life. And I remember one day, I was 12 years old, I remember it so clearly because he had decided to get a divorce. And I was 12 years old, and we were sitting at the malt shop like we always did once a week. And he said, Jim, I just wanted to share something with you. You're probably the wisest person I know around. You know, you've helped me understand how to live my life and to take care of myself and then to be able to take care of others in a way that I don't think I could have ever done otherwise. He said, unfortunately, mom and dad didn't teach that to us. And the world certainly doesn't teach it to you. And high school doesn't teach it to you. And he said, I just want to first thank you for what I've learned, you know, with these conversations with you once a week. But I also want to find out, how did you come to understand all this? And I went, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I didn't tell you anything. You told yourself, if you stop and look at the conversations, you did most of the talking. You're just laying on me that I told you things that you actually were telling yourself. Yeah, I may have reminded it to you. I may have pointed it back out to you in the conversation, saying, oh, that's a good idea, or that's, that's good to remember. But I said, I didn't come up with any of those statements. I didn't tell you how to live your life. You did. And he thought for a minute. He says, you know what? You're right. I can't give you any honor or praise. It's, it's really in me, isn't it? 
And I said, yeah, it's in each one of us. We have to find it ourselves. He said, I thank you then for listening and giving back to me what I was sharing so that I could actually hear it. Well, years later when I was 18, and I stood before my first group, well, actually I sat before my first group at this lady's house, there was 22 people in the room. And we sat there, and I had no idea where to start. Never done a class before in my life. Never seen a class done like this in my life. So I had no idea where to start. And Spirit took me back to that time when I was seated with my brother. And I was telling him that I didn't say anything to him that he said it to himself, and I just repeated it back to him. And Spirit came in and said, Jim, tell them one thing and start with this statement, that I can't tell you anything you don't already know, but I might be able to help you remember what you have forgotten. And that's what I had done with my brother. I was helping him to remember what he had forgotten. The truth is in each one of us. The loving is in each one of us. And it's just up to us to come awake to that, however we're going to come awake to it. My brother came awake to it in many ways through conversation, through having trials in life, real challenges and problems in life. He had to confront, and in that confrontation, he began to look to see how to deal with it, to honor it, to take care of it. And it was through our conversations that he allowed his truth to come out. And that is one way that we can discover a lot about ourselves, but then we have to find someone who can be the good listener. And oftentimes in the world, you don't find a good listener, you find Mr. Fix-It. They know how to take care of your life problems before you even tell them the whole story. Oh, well, I know how to do that, here's what you've got to do. And then you try to do it their way and it's like everything just falls apart. It doesn't work. Because you didn't connect to your own truth and your own way of handling the situation. It all lies within you. And the greatest way to connect to that is not in conversation, not in the world, but first going inside and connecting to that place where the truth truly does reside. And that truth does not reside in our emotional turmoil or in our mental jargon, our ticky-tacky boxes of the mind. It lies within our own soul. It lies within the very center of our being where life itself is. If we could connect back to that source of life, to all of this, then we can connect back to the truth of truths and find the answers and the solutions and the ways to live our life that truly brings balance and harmony to all levels of our being. I have found that going to the mind or looking to the emotions or the body for answers to the challenges of my life are like going to Mr. Fix-It. It doesn't 
have the complete truth. It doesn't have all the tools by which to do the work of repair, restoration, so that I could live my life fully. It wasn't until I connected back into that source of loving inside. Do unto yourself first. Then I began to really understand how to live this into the world. So I would say, look and see how you're living your life. I had to look and I still am looking every day. I look to make sure I don't put others first and I will do that if I'm not careful. Even today, I will do that. I still have to pay attention and love myself first, take care of myself first, honor myself first, and then share that into the world. And then I live fulfilled, enjoyed in the process of living life fully. And then I truly am doing unto myself so that I can do that with others. And I'm not looking for others to give back to me anything. I'm not doing to others that they might also do equal to me. But I am doing unto others as I do it unto myself. And then it's very equal, it's very open, it's very vulnerable, there's no expectations. And then what I share, some people might pick it up and take it, and do something with it, such as take the loving in and let it begin to stir in them that loving that they might begin to search it out and live it out within themselves, and others don't. And that's just fine. I have no expectation. How many times in the world do we go out into the world to do good for others, to take care of others, with a little expectation, well, they never said thank you, They never did do anything with it. I gave and gave and gave and gave. I gave them money. I gave them food. I gave them time of myself. I hear that a lot from people over the years, or I've heard it a lot over the years, of people who give and give and give to others, expecting them to give back in return. And when they don't get something back in return, they go into resentment. They go into separation. They go into shutdown. And they stop giving. Who does that hurt? It hurts the one that stops giving. It doesn't hurt the other one as much. They just turn to someone else and say, well, then you start giving to me. Have you ever seen that in your life? Have you ever experienced that in your life yourself? But if you are truly in that place inside yourself where you are loving yourself, knowing yourself fully in that loving, as that source of life, as that living presence, 
as that living essence of loving. Then it's easy to share it with others and have no expectation as to how it is received, what people do with it. And then you can just continue living in that flow of giving and receiving. And the receiving that you're going to receive isn't necessarily from the person that you are sharing that loving with. But it will come back in its own true form of loving. Because as you give, so shall you receive. That is an action that is a part of that divine flow of loving. There's always replenishment. But it means then we always have to be vulnerable here at the seat of the soul. Be vulnerable to receive. And be vulnerable in the giving. So what Brian was sharing today is very real and very true for me. And I do know the impact and the power of living that loving first within ourselves and honoring that and then letting it extend out into the world. In unity, they have a statement, a prayer about let there be peace in the world and let it begin with me. Well, how does it begin with me? It begins by discovering peace within yourself. If you live peace within yourself, that peace moves out and touches others and stirs others to come to peace, to find that peace within themselves. And eventually, eventually, the world is transformed. You're not going to have 100% peace in the world because you're not going to have 100% peace within yourself. It would be great if you did all the time live in peace or live in loving or live in joy. But the more you live in that peace, the more the world comes to peace. The more others begin to live in that peace in the same way, we begin to see that action as a wave move across the world. But it all begins with us. And I love that little prayer. And let it begin with me. Let loving begin with me. Let joy begin with me. Let peace begin with me. Don't look out in the world and wait for it to come to you. Why not be that in the world and let it just extend out to others and realize that you will stir some to search out for it in themselves and others, they won't even know what's going on. And that's just fine. No expectation, just living and being. But it all begins by going inside. This action of meditation isn't about the world and it isn't about others. It's about you. It's about you waking up to the knowing, you having inner experience, 
You living in that river of loving daily, not just living in meditation for two hours and having inner experience and then get up and go out and do the world. It's about doing your two hours or two and a half hours of meditation and having inner experience and then get up and take that inner experience and live it into the world. Don't go out and just do the world. Because you're going to be living two different lives. And you're still going to live in pain of separation. It's about live it fully. Live it 100%. Take it with you wherever you go. Become the living prayer. A true initiate is one who is living the initiation every day, every moment, every breath. That's a true initiate. To be initiated is one thing, but to be a living initiation is another. When you are initiated, you receive that sacred name of God. You receive it. It is anchored inside of you. And it resides there with you for the whole life. Whether you do something with it or not, it is there and present with you. But it only comes alive by you giving it life, by you giving it space to come awake and alive inside of you, by chanting that name every day in your meditation, giving it attention, giving it focus, awakening into the frequency of that name, which is loving, and experiencing it there, and then bringing that into your daily life, letting that sacred name live in you and through you into the world. That's a true initiate. That's a living initiation, a living prayer. And that is the greatest fulfillment that there is. But it begins within you. And it ends within you too. Because you just live it into the world for you. Not for others. Don't do it for others. Do it for you. Allow God's presence of loving to live in you all the time. And let it be with you in all of your life experience. So that your soul truly does become liberated from this creation. Does get fulfilled. Do it for you. And however it extends out into the world and touches others and transforms things in the world, that's God's doing, not yours. And one key I have found is don't become a solution for people. Don't try to solve things for people. But rather, let them find their way. Let them find their solution. Be a good listener. And if you hear them say something that might serve them well, that they're just kind of glancing over, point it out and say, you know, that's a good statement. That might work. And they'll go, what? What might work? And you just share it again. They go, well, where did you get that? And you go, well, that's what I just heard you say. Don't you remember? That's how it started with my brother. That's how I learned a lot about how to share. That's where my statement of, well, what do you think, came from. 
He would ask me a question, I'd go, well, what do you think? Because I wanted him to come up with his own answer, not me. I knew that he knew the answer for himself better than I did. I mean, at eight years old, I didn't know what a a person in their 20s knew. I had a lot of growing up to do, experiences to have in the world yet before I got to that place. And it became a joke with him, and it's become a joke with a lot of people in my life. When I go, well, what do you think? But it also is a statement of loving support and a way to point out where the truth really lies. It's within each of us. If we can ask the question, we also know the answer inside. We may not like the answer inside. Therefore, we're looking outside for somebody to tell us something other than what we know so that maybe we can do it different and avoid the truth inside of ourselves that we need to do. I know that for myself because I did that a lot too. So pay attention. Truly pay attention to each moment. And live that loving as best you can. Keep bringing God present into everything that you do. Keep bringing that name alive inside of you every moment that you can. I can remember when I was working at the frame shop one day. And it was kind of a boring day. It was raining and people weren't coming in and we were all gathered back in the back where the coffee pot was and we were drinking coffee and having donuts and talking. And the secretary and the accountant, the lady who kept the books, they were in the back with us. We were all seated, just chatting away, talking, doing nothing. And it was all gossip. It was just gossip about this and gossip about that. And... and um, I found that I didn't really want to participate in gossip, but I wanted to be with people. So I would sit there and have the donut and I'd have the coffee and I'd just listen. But I wasn't really taking it all in. Instead, I would be saying a prayer. I'd be saying something inside to honor the loving inside, to keep myself more centered and focused because I didn't want to get caught up in all this stuff. And I remember so clearly this, the, one of the, the lady that was sitting next to me to my left she was gossiping on, and she said, and Jim, what do you think about her? And I had no idea who we were talking about or what they were saying. And, and so I just said, well, you know, I don't have an opinion just yet. I haven't known her long enough. And it turns out that they were talking about the owner of the store, the, the wife of the owner of the store. And uh, so that was a true statement. I didn't know her long enough, so that was fine. And I, I caught on as soon as I realized I needed to pay more attention to what they were talking about. They were talked on a little bit further and went on and on and on. And all of a sudden she said the same thing to me again. Well, what do you think about him? And I went, uh-oh, I wasn't paying attention again. And so I tried to play the game and be a part of the conversation. And they all looked at me and they said, you have no idea what we're talking about or who we're talking about, do you? And I said, well, no, to be honest, no, I don't. And they said, so what are you doing inside of there when we're talking? You know, are you not listening and paying attention? And I, I didn't have any answer other than saying, 
no, I was really just thinking about God. And this guy got up and he says, Jim, when are you ever going to give up on God? And he walked away. (laughs) And I remember so clearly in that moment I said, you know what, I'm never going to give up on God and God's never going to give up on me because of that. And I just learned to, to live the truth, to live the moment and let that be just fine. And to honor myself first before I honor others by getting caught up in their process, whatever it might be. All right. So thank you. That was fun. A lot of joy. <laughs>